0: Oh, yeah, I forgot to do one of my intros from, like, two episodes ago. Uh, New Year's hasn't begun until someone says the music on Dick Clark's Rock and New Year's Eve used to be better. Wow.
1: This show is not for the easily offended, so if you are easily offended, go listen to something else. back listeners. It's Indie Comic Book Noise. We're here. A a rare treat. A feast for your ears. (laughs) All four hosts are here today or tonight or this morning or whatever time you tune in to Indie Comic Book Noise. After dark. By all four hosts. I mean myself Andrew the LA Rabbit here from Los Angeles and from the comic book bunker. Our favorite, hard-to-book host, Super Steve. Yay! I'm here. And then, finally, in equipoise, the Canadian contingent, starting north of the Arctic Circle from the icebox. It's wax Kev. Say hi, Kev.
0: You know, I imagine people saying Los Angeles now, like, in, like in Star Trek, they'll they'll go back in time or something, and they'll be like, it's Earth, but we got to go to california place in in north america and we gotta to go to la but i imagine them saying like los angeles because you know it's been a few hundred years and then you know vulcans would be like how do you parse the the words and the letters and everything
2: since kevin's canadian can i switch sides
0: <laughs>
3: we'll take you
1: that sounds like that's going to be we'll, one of the uh we'll odd back number million.
3: Star Trek movies, Kevin. <laughs> hey, it's Star Trek
0: 5. How about that?
1: And lastly, from the nation's capital,
0: the Otter's
3: Den.
1: It's Phil, the Ottawa Otter. Say hi, Phil. Good day.
3: Our newest New Yorker. Honorary New Yorker.
1: Yeah. No, I won't go <laughs> to New York. Too much. Too scary <laughs> there. Indie Comic Book Noise, part of the Deliberate Noise Network. Yes, you know it, folks. You can get every single interest you have served to you auditorily. Such interests may include Sister Show Marvel Noise, hosted by our very own Super Steve. Hey, Yay. Super Steve, how's that Marvel noise treating you? It keeps running like a train that never stops. You can. So Ooh. check that out, folks. And that has the benefit of being family friendly unlike this sewer of a podcast. Yeah. Although as I always say, despite the disclaimer you heard at the beginning of the show, we're really pretty inoffensive and get along with everybody, right Kevin?
0: Well, you you know you know what what is a kind of a initial turn off when you're looking through the previous catalog? I don't look at the previous catalog as you know, but go
2: Well, ahead. Steve would <laughs> Steve would say dynamite.
0: Wow! I almost had a dynamite show for tonight.
3: See so uh, dynamite I, don't I, I, stuff. I was just writing the word dynamite in my <laughs> notes, actually, because of one of the books that I was going to talk about. You I read a you dynamite?
2: Not. No I, way! No,
3: it, that's not why I was writing the word dynamite. Stick around, oh, and you'll find okay. out why. But as you said the word dynamite, I was writing the word dynamite.
2: See that? That's why we're good hosts together. That's crazy. <laughs>
0: So I've, I've boughten stuff from Silver Sprocket,
1: I think you've but you know that they have a
0: comic in the previews, it's oh, pee-pee-poo-poo. Oh boy. Yeah, and I was just like, I'm like, maybe that is the joke, like this is funny, maybe what maybe it? it's not like, uh, and then it says mature themes, and I'm like, immature <laughs> themes? I don't know. Like, <laughs> That that's my initial reaction before I read the description for this highbrow series, but I don't know. I guess it got me talking so it can boost the sales, right? But I'm just like I mean like that's that's just one of those things I always bring up about indie comics. I'm like the first thing you do when you when you make an indie comic and I'm like, exhibit A.
1: You can find old episodes and show notes on our website, com. Although, I always tell people, get there quickly, because Kevin is always screwing with the show notes. So, I do. So, you know, I give you good, honest, homemade, small-batch, locally-sourced, crafted links. And then Kevin's always slipping weird stuff in there. We're on some sort of social media, but as I personally have been kicked off of Twitter, I'm a yeah. So
2: you're the offensive one,
1: <laughs> In that, but Indie comic noise, you know, if this is your first episode, we just sit and talk about whatever we feel like that has any connection to the world of independently made comic books. That's a and wide other umbrella, things. folks. It can be anywhere from the largest, most populous publishers on the planet, as long as it's not the famous subsidiaries of the Walt Disney Corporation. And Discovery Warner Brothers, or, as it's been come to known in our house, Disco Bros.
0: Disco Bros. Interesting.
1: And yeah, so we're here, and and that, as Phil suggested, you know, we've talked about tie-in movies and board games, and underoos and whatever. Although I think the underroo market is kind of tapped out. Certainly,
0: in and those Shadowhawk Hawk uh, skateboards.
1: Yeah,
2: uh, little as hobo.
1: <laughs> I don't know
0: how friendly giants. So, anyways,
1: <laughs> this is not about the differences in international television. Damn it. It's about indie comic book noise. So, uh, yeah. So, boys, here we are. Another fine episode. Starting off, what do we want to tease the listeners with?
0: Oh, I have a question. Shoot. So when you're promoting a con, getting your con ready and everything, as in convention, (laughs) uh, what order do you think you, you make your announcements in?
1: Well, first you want your big Hollywood stars. You know, you gotta have who's gonna get the regular schmo showing up. And then somewhere buried in there,
0: you... Say what exhibitors are coming. Well, it seems like so far the the order has been announce the tickets, tell people to buy tickets, but you haven't made any guest announcements yet. You haven't done any, like any hotel travel type of things you've set up. I mean, I think it's a little, and then (laughs) I literally saw a comment. To, to one of these conventions of, hey, maybe if you announce some guests, people will, will feel like buying more tickets. I'm like, they're not wrong.
1: Oh, Kevin, please, you're the king of mystery boxes. This convention is one big mystery
0: box. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, a convention that's a mystery box. You go there, you don't know what's going to be there. Uh, needless to say, TCAF announces more guests and, and stuff in a... And an order, I, I think would be, I mean, I, I do say don't mark it to me. So maybe they're doing that. So they're doing things in a reverse order. So, I mean.
1: Oh, and to answer Phil's question from a few episodes back, um, on the Warrior Nun Netflix show, Shotgun Mary was in season one, Phil. But she wasn't in season two. Oh, was she? Oh, cool. And I think you... the show is done
2: you know what else i found out what uh shock or uh warrior nun tv show fans on twitter are just like Snodder fans
0: oh no
1: i thought season two was kind of it was okay but it it sort of dropped off it felt a little conflicted and now i know Mm -hmm. that like i said i think it's done i mean i'm not hating that i watch it but I'm not going to pretend like I wasn't on my phone for an awful lot of it. While it's yeah, going on.
2: well, it's kind of a weird concept to me. Like,
0: Well, Phil, now you have six months of the same person posting how it's the greatest show ever.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. It started. And I did finish up the Samurai Rabbit cartoon on there. I've, oh, cool. I, did, I I enjoy that show. It's, you know, more all ages-y. And like I said, I think... But I like the character design. Some of the backgrounds are kind of so-so. But better spend the money on getting the figures right than worrying about the background bits as much. Anyways, that's uh, my TV updates. I know we talked about some of that stuff, so I wanted to get back to you when it was fresh in my brain because that stuff tends to slide right out my ear holes. (laughs) But I think in honor of Super Steve, we should let him... Uh, fire off the more substantive part of the show. Wow.
3: A lot of pressure. I talked about uh, one of my friend's books that was a Kickstarter not too long ago on the show, The Water Wars. Uh, My friend, uh, who is the writer and creator, Timothy B. Fling, although, because he's a friend, I call him Mr. Fling, sir. And uh, his most recent... Kickstarter de- delivered not too long ago, and it was so good, better even to me than the previous offering, that I felt like I had to mention it again and call attention to his Earth Dog Studios uh, website, the com, and look out for future Kickstarters because he's pretty regular uh, with them the way that he's just doing these. Uh, single uh, well put together issues on high grade paper like this thing feels heavy in your hand this latest issue had a 16 page story a 13 page story 12 pages of like world building text and images and an art gallery of pinups and like upcoming project teaser images and stuff a um, lot here And it's Water Wars Chronicles Lost at Sea And it's a flip book On the back side It's Robot City Blues And like I said It's written by Timothy B. Fling And the art is by Erwin Arosa I don't know if it's digital Or traditionally Illustrated But it's certainly In a painterly style um, So you get really lush uh, colorful images where any panel looks like it would just make like a great poster but what goes along with the painted stuff is that at times you know characters seem a little stiff in their images because again every panel looks like it could be a pinup right the, or or a poster um, but it's just really really nice looking visually and continues to use this sepia palette that kind of runs through all of the books and i i like that it kind of makes things part of the same world because he's not rushing to tell a whole big world story he has this world set up but then he's telling like these just these little done in one type of stories or uh, one of them kind of continues on the prisoner girl who's kind of on the run seems like it's going to continue to develop but the water were wars it's hard for me to even say is a Like dystopian future thing where like everything's happened. There's robots took over. There's cybernetic gangs and warlords uh, like cyborg ones. There was a solar flare that made most of the water on the planet undrinkable. So, and then contaminated, so water is scarce, and they're fighting over that. There's insect and genetic mutations, you know, bad weather events, uh, the fall of governments, dystopian wastelands, the whole bit. Uh, There's everything. Um, So wait, how is it different from our current situation? (laughs) And so, but there's room for all those small stories within that. If you try to tackle all that at once, it'd be too much and you know the key to my uh, attention and being able to hold it is reduce your story to a limited number of characters and get right to it right and so i can wrap my feeble little head around it and that's just what tim does over and over again in these which is what really delights me the first story is this lost at sea bit which is a 16 pager mm. Where there's this human captain of like a submarine vessel, and he's coming up topside in horrible storms in like a flooded um urban city, looking for survivors, kind of making one more scan around the robots have taken over, and he does he finds a survivor in a rowboat a beautiful woman uh Kind of marooned and mm-hmm. takes her on board and nurses her back to health. And the captain has a like a sentient uh, computer that runs everything that he can kind of talk back and forth to. I, I always love that, right? From going back from like the Deathlock stuff or 2001 A Space Odyssey, even the being able to talk to the ship computer is cool. But he keeps decreasing like the security on. The you know parameters on the computer because you know it's it the story's going where you think it's going, you know it's all it's all a trap and it and it's okay that it's going where it's going because it's really satisfying how it gets there and then what happens i mean it it's like a like a melody resolving in music that satisfies your ear you know it's got to resolve this the story kind of has to go where you think it's going to go and it does as good science fiction does at times very entertaining though and the backstory the robot city blues is a 13 pager where they're like these partial robot command like humanoid robot commandos that were used in these oil wars were kind of thrown aside to the and made this like robot city slum that's all walled in and a human girl gets trapped there uh, is stranded there and this one robot dude is going to be a good guy and and make the effort to try to get her out and get to the humans get her back to her kind um, and, again, we've seen these types of stories, right, whether it's a jungle or whatever, the helicopter crashes, right, and the savager, the, you know, lioness or whatever has to try to get the human or ice age, right, they got to get the baby to, back to the humans, and there's risks along the way, and they're not very appreciated for their efforts, even when they get there. And, again, the story has the beats that are familiar to experienced you know, readers like us but it feels good the way it goes there. And it's so beautifully presented. Um, it's just a really nice package. Then there's like 12 pages of this codex that every page is a date and gives you a blurred blurb and a full page image that gives you another date of like the, the things that, you know, the, the big story, what happened, the oil wars, the cyborgs, the insect, you know, genetic mutations, et cetera. Um, It's a really nice one-issue project. Uh, It's the perfect thing for a kick. You know, it's like the reason Kickstarter exists is for these kinds of things. No publisher would ever put this much high end into, um, you know, an unknown writer's story, so to speak. Uh, No offense, Tim, but um, you know, the the, again, the page weight, the quality of the art, uh, it all makes the package really, really nice. you got to check out this Water War stuff, and I'm sure you can see examples um, over on the EarthDogStudios.com website, and if you see the covers, and you're like, yeah, but what does the inside look like? It looks like the covers. It's usually the same artist. It's good stuff.
1: I always appreciate that. I'll try and put some links in the show notes and see what I can find, not just their studio, but sometimes you can get some stuff off of old Kickstarters or whatever too sometimes they don't have much but sometimes you see stuff there too I'll see what I can and, find
3: and and what's nice is when he does the neck his Kickstarter projects they usually include the ability to get like the past issues and he does them digitally too you know you're not stuck having to buy the physical ones if you're just because of the whole overseas shipping thing right like how are you supposed to deal with that especially with again the, the weight of of um, uh, the paper that he's using and stuff where every page is beyond cover stock it's really good stuff
1: and me what's tell funny me about is shipping Steve I got something to Kevin rejected and I don't think Phil's ever getting his bullet, no I so. got mine I <laughs> forgot
2: to, I forgot to tell oh, you I got good. it the oh, day really after cool. you talked about it last nice oh,
1: good
3: yeah Hey, one more thing about Tim is that as I've become friends with him, he I am seeing him on the social medias. Like he's also connected with and friends with, and doing podcasts with like John Westoff, our buddy. <laughs> oh, you know, and and, wow. uh, and um, Billy Z Zinowitz, the comic book <laughs> bears, those guys and stuff. Like he's runs in these uh, these circles, so that's that's pretty cool.
1: Well, next time you see Bill, you should tell me should pick up his old book that he kick-started oh so long ago that
3: i know that was I good right copy
1: of. yeah i'd definitely buy more and i was at the comic store for the first time in a dog's age he even picked up that scotch McTiernan's holiday party it,
3: <laughs> ah, you
1: that's awesome. the halloween book and i was like oh i'm yeah. gonna
3: get the might have to save this is
2: for, that the one with the with the big pumpkin on the cover?
3: No. Well, there's been Uh-oh. three now. The original one was The Secret War on Weed. Then there was mm-hmm. the the Halloween one. And then there just came out the Christmas one. It's oh, okay. it's great. I, I can't believe they're, they've done three of them. And the jokes have expanded from just being like weed jokes to now they're like full-on, um, you know, mess with the holidays and stuff. It's really I, – I found it really delightful, <laughs> really fun stuff.
1: Yeah, I saw it in the thing and I was like, seems a little late for Christmas, but what the heck, Steve talked up the Halloween one, so I'm getting this one.
3: And it's Koblish art, you know? He's great.
1: Yeah, you guys know I'm a fan. Alright, who wants to go next? Kevin, I know you got something.
0: Uh, Okay, I'm going to give some more love to this... um non-best anthology of the year but uh i don't read that many anthologies so what what about 2000 ad
3: and yeah you were the... reading that like every week or whatever <laughs> you were my you were my anthology buddy this year what are you talking about the image so, so... 30th anniversary you've been reading that you, I, Is, he, he's doing the i'm just a simple caveman yeah.
0: but uh <laughs> I'm. I, I might have read two anthologies, and I could have read three, but I haven't read the third one yet. I mean, technically, maybe four now, but I think this one counts for 2023. Right, and what, what 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 is that one I'm talking about? Well, you have to listen to later in the show. <laughs>
1: well, what about this one?
0: Uh, this one is uh, the Image anthology. Issue nine.
2: You know what? You know what? Uh since the last show I've picked up issue one to nine.
0: Oh good job, Phil. Of, oh nice. Uh, Look at
1: selling you know only... comics to each other.
2: <laughs> yeah, I only had to order it from two stores, so it wasn't too bad it's, to get them all.
3: It's very Dark Horse Presents, isn't it?
2: Yeah. yeah. It, and it feels great in your hand, but I find it's one of those comics once you open it it's fighting to close the whole time.
0: Oh yeah, it <laughs> totally is. <Yeah. laughs> Yeah, because it's one of those prestige formats thing. It's nice you can mm-hmm. put it on the shelf if you want, but yeah, you're not keeping that open.
2: No, and uh, the other thing, my first worry was, I hate opening an anthology book that's twelve issues, and then I see five of the ten stories are in every issue. Yeah, <laughs> I don't necessarily <laughs> like that too much, but but it, that doesn't mean I didn't like all those stories though. But
1: yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. <laughs> No, just, now
1: I'm gonna have to go buy this thing. I did, if all three <laughs> of you guys have it. Well, I'm I was worried I might raid, not. I,
2: think. I was worried there might not be a big collection of this though, because I feel like they're gonna be scattered if they're in ongoings or miniseries, you know, and stuff. With
3: but but I like how they did that. They like jump started a couple of series by having them appear there. But then they well, also like revisited some old characters that was like yep. that's what felt like dark horse that's presents that's what i to want me. yeah, yeah. yeah i was, want them to
2: revisit cool. the old stuff like the noble cause story coming up yeah, all i've all all only read the first issue so far
3: you know, all of a sudden you get like a super patriot story like a, and like you know mm-hmm. what i mean like what
1: <laughs> now cool. uh, not to collect it though i mean there's a lot of people that's how they get their
0: comics i, I mean, I you will collect s- it two different ways yep
2: I will say the first issue uh, makes me want to pick up that old dog comic though. Try that out maybe. Oh,
0: yeah, I'm reading that. Yeah. I mean, I don't think Andrew's reading it anymore. But... No,
1: I'm out. I'm out. Fool me once. Shame on you. Fool me
2: oh, oh, it's not good? No. Shame
1: on me. No, I just didn't. I mean, that's some, not uh, enjoyable. Some of the things they did, I did not appreciate. They okay. hurt a dog? No, a uh, rabbit. The... That was the one where the inside... <laughs> blurb spoiled the entire
3: comic
0: book <laughs> uh, that was weird but but I did a follow up Andrew and I'll keep on telling you every issue if they do that again
3: well, let me I'm know about when they to start reading the, it the first issue and then I... I think I just got the third issue so I am i haven't read it at all yet so I'm going to dive in <laughs> well, oh, I'll let you know what I think
2: skip
1: the blurb for the first
3: <laughs> issue yeah don't read the blurb
2: what do you mean by like? where's the blurb
1: Oh, you know, inside the cover, sometimes they'll give you like a rough synopsis, like, "Hey, it's okay. the year I don't read 22, that. 25, and... and they give the whole story. Yeah, I don't, are illegal.
3: I don't read that. I don't read half the dialogue. I mean, come on. <laughs>
0: hey, I this didn't is, say it was this a Frank. Is the Miller third comic. episode in a row. I don't read the comic. I I just look at it. I don't really
3: read it. <laughs> I'll go back and read it if, like, halfway through, I'm like, "All right, this is actually getting good." All right, now what was going on there? Let me flip back. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> I just
0: thought it was funny. This proves my thing about—I um, mean, it's—it's it's obviously proven successful for Brubaker and Phillips and Phillips uh, <laughs> that they switch to graphic novels because you—you know, every time I've heard that, that never works. No one can keep a schedule, or something happens, or they don't release as much as if they're doing a monthly, right? right and so as soon as i heard this one, in i was Europe like
1: do that there are all them french
0: creators that bang out those euro volumes so i'm just, i'm just like sure that's that's going to happen we'll we'll see but i mean i i guess i guess i got to admit that they were able to do what they said they were going to do like it's been like clockwork so i was wrong on that front but i wasn't wrong on oh i, I look at a previews or whatever I'm like oh that's awesome oh it's not a monthly and I'm like yeah I'll get to that later and then when do I get around to it maybe in a few years if you're putting out your OGNs instead I'm just I know people some people hate the singles they're like oh they're too expensive and I'm like no I'm looking at a $30 hardcover I have to order or like a $5 comic or something and I'm like that that first issue might actually be more expensive but it's a smaller chunk
1: Yeah, as long as you can get it in the store and you're not paying the shipping. Because that's where you get
0: kind of beat up a little is
1: if you're, you know,
0: getting them through the mail. Well, sometimes... It it depends. Like, I know some of those um, places, like if you order enough, then they throw in some free stuff or free shipping or what have you that softens the blow. (laughs) But yeah... There was a criminal story in in Issue 9, so first criminal I've read in a long time. It was good, too. I know, I know. And first Brewmaker Phillips Phillips I've read in uh, years. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I I guess it's uh, Teague's, is that how you say that? No one ever pronounces these people names. I'll say Teague's Christmas Carol. So yeah, it was it was just a, a short done-in-one, and, one and uh, you know, people screw up. They think they're not going to, and then they fall back on all habits and everything, and it was a fun time. So maybe I should dive backwards now and actually, you know, get around to reading, like, that first Reckless volume I finally bought.
1: Well, I have a choice. I have some choices for you boys. I have... One selection for each other host. I have a Phil selection, a Kevin selection, a Steve selection. Wow, someone's
0: prepared.
3: I want to hear the uh, Phil selection. I think you're going to have to do them all.
1: All right, the Phil selection. Guess what, Phil? Bought another one of those Opus comics. <laughs> this one was... Is it the one the I wanted you to get? God so, damn this, it. This one has an ad for it in the back. I finally see it. Okay. Uh, Deathgasm. Yeah. Uh, the metal brought them back. I, this.
2: It's it's basically uh, like Evil Dead, but for metal fans, I guess.
1: Yeah, if I see the book, this yeah. is the first time I've seen anything about it was in the back of this comic they had it. Because as I said, when I'm seeing these things, I'm grabbing them for fun. This one was Hammerfall number one. Again, I don't know the band or whatever. I'm sure maybe when I go to do the closing music like I did before, I'll find whatever the band is. But Ian Edgington, Kevin West, Colors, Carlos Cabrera. And, uh, like all these very slick packaging, like very nice art, you know, fancy cover stock, probably, uh, you know, the 666 price point, (laughs) which tickles me. And I get that's probably chasing a lot of people off, but you are seeing it reflected in the book. Other thing I like is they do the full page, uh, cover reproductions so you see what ones because they have the action figure covers which I never usually buy I mean I guess we had looked at the website and I guess they offer action figures but I like just the regular boring I got the Ryan Christensen cover which is basically he's kind of in a sort of a purple Doctor Doom type armor but he carries a whacking big hammer with like like a regular size handle but a ridiculously oversized ha- head to it. And it, like, has, like, lightning powers and it opens up on a... You know, it's very... His outfit is purple and so is the prose. It's very, like, arch, good and evil, 90s extreme, like, there's a plague that's uh, affecting the land and so there's all these, like, zombie deer in the beginning with their faces half eaten off. And this guy was uh, a former king who tried to bring peace to his people, and was killed by his advisors. And then these two gods raise him up to go uh, smite evil with a big hammer.
3: <laughs> that sounds awesome.
1: <laughs> and he rides around and smites these, uh, you know, the people infected. They look... They're not really zombies because they talk and everything, but they have kind of like rotted, greenish skin and like sores. And the opening strike, he hits the guy so hard with a pock. His head and, like, half his spinal column gets pulled out with it. (laughs) But done in, like I said, a very slick... uh, Sort of like you were saying, Steve, it can be a little stiff at times, you know what I mean? That more rendered, slicker image style. I don't really mind that much, because part of this is just this over-the-top pomposity of it all. But anyway, so it turns out that at the end he fight faces this, like, lich-like creature who was one of the advisors that killed him. Very The vibe for his face and body, you guys know, like, I think he's called Eddie, he's like the, um, that heavy metal, the I Iron Maiden him. guy. He kind of looks like that, the, the, the lich guy. Eddie. So, so they have a fun little battle at the end with, you know, like, the hammer, and the guy's cheating and throwing dirt and rubble in his eyes, and you know the like the bad guy's gonna cheat and the good guy's gonna hit him with a big hammer. <laughs> so, as you can tell, a lot of real heavy thought in this one. But yeah, this hammer fall. Like I said, Phil, they do have an ad for your Deathgasm. I'm liking these things. I don't know. how Yeah, you're long picking them run. up every week yeah. it seems, eh? <laughs> yeah. Well, if I see them, that's my thing. I mean, they're yeah. Expect.
2: Are you a heavy metal fan? To begin uh, with, I don't like it personally. But. I, mean,
1: I used to be when I was a kid, but I don't listen uh-huh. to hardly any of it mm-hmm. now. But I just like, I feel that kind of over-the-top works well for a certain type mm-hmm. of comic. Like, if you want to have just silly, big, dumb fun, well, comics are a great medium. You can really sell that in a way that doesn't always work in movies. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Sometimes the effects look kind of corny or cheesy or... If they're all just computer stuff, you need a lot of money to make it look good. I mean, we've all seen kind of bad special effects. As Kevin said, we were talking DC when he turned on. Oh, look at me,
0: zinging. Just Warner Brothers like that. Maybe yeah. you might have just zinged yourself.
2: So hmm. how much are they paying you to shell this out for them every week?
0: <laughs> uh, I'm
1: paying them quite a fortune. Oh. But I'm also, Like I said, I don't know that... I mean, all these so far have been like issue ones and twos. Like, is this going to be a publisher that's gone in I don't six th- months or something? Yeah,
2: I think this is one of those ones that just won't last. Like, unfortunately, because that just happens, right? Like, yeah. this is, I think, a small amount of people getting these, and
1: I'm sure. And I don't know how, like, maybe they're in every shop, or maybe they're in like eight shops or something. Yeah,
2: I
0: haven't seen them anywhere myself, but I mean, I've seen some, but only in mm-hmm. specific shops.
1: Oh, that's good. So they're getting some Canadian distribution at least yeah. like to see that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know much. Like I said, my comic shop guy was like, well, they're still around. You know, they're putting out the books, so he doesn't have any crystal ball about whether they're going to be around in a month or not e- either. But as long as they're here and I'm having fun, I'll keep buying them. But that's my Phil entry. <laughs> Speaking of Phil entry, Phil, you have anything?
2: Uh, yeah, well, I was going to talk about some Kickstarter comics based on uh, board games, but mm. I ended up reading something else. Uh, it was one I think I talked about on the show before called Plastic by Doug Wad- uh, Wagner and Daniel Hilliard is the artist. But I only read the two issues, and then I just – for some, I loved it, but I just for some reason I never read it again, so I picked up The Trade – and basically it's about uh, a guy and his girlfriend and they're just trying to, you know, live a simple life kind of thing. And they get caught up in some, like, small town trouble. And uh, the rich guy in charge of that town ends up kidnapping his girlfriend, Virginia. But his girlfriend, Virginia, is a blow-up doll.
1: This was a image book, right, Phil? I think I read the first Oh, book. yeah, correct. I think we talked about
2: it. Yeah, it, it was, was image. image. Yeah, we did, just the first issue, but I never finished it. But basically, yeah, so it's him he's a serial killer basically and so it's him trying to get his blow up doll back and it's just oh, such an amazing amazing story but uh, a lot like a baby wish this was part of the nail biter universe or sorry actually I'd prefer the nail biter to be part of this universe and uh, but this got me reading their next book which was one I only read a couple issues of and you guys might remember it as being one of my favorites uh, vinyl
1: yeah no, yeah. I remember that one, too. I bought a few issues of that because you said so, Phil.
2: Yeah, so I picked up the trade of that, and that one is badass the rest of the issues of that comic, which is basically <laughs> a serial killer, like an FBI agent pretends to be his friend, gets kidnapped by a cult, and so he gathers like kind of like, uh, what's that Sylvester Stallone movie where he gathers all the old action stars?
1: Oh, the yeah, replacements the... or something like that? The that's it, yeah,
2: so it's like that, but with serial killers, but they're more like uh, slashers, like my kind. I'm not too big in serial killers, but these are like, you know, like Jason, like those type kind of, you know? Or Michael Myers, where it seems like there's something supernatural, there might, there might not be, you know? And uh, yeah, he just goes to help his friend, and it's just awesome. And, and in the second last issue, they even reference Edwin from Plastic, so it takes place in the same universe, which is really cool. If he didn't die in that one, he would have been here with them kind of thing. And so that got me reading their new series, uh, Plush, which I'm hoping takes place in the same universe. (laughs) But at the same time, I'm not digging this one as much because it's it's about uh, furries, cannibalistic furries. Hmm. And I find furries very weird. Mm -hmm. So I'm I'm having trouble concentrating on it a bit. But uh, I'm definitely not digging it as much as because the serial killer ones here, like from the start, I was sympathetic with these guys. I like I was rooting from them for for, from you know like issue to issue kind of thing, which normally wouldn't happen. But uh, but yeah, they just he just they would write them and draw them, just make them so lovable. Where this one, it's I'm not getting that same feeling. It's it's, I'm sure it's going to take place in the same universe, but I kind of. Don't want it to in a way, but I'm gonna read the rest still. But like I say, furries are kinda of weird, so uh,
0: Phil. You never huh? forget that zip up horse head guy from the con. Yeah. Phil, uh, uh,
1: love serial killers, so so on people that <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> I know, that's that's what came in my head too, is here I am sympathetic with these killers, you know. But the furries, no no I can't do it with the furries. <laughs>
3: I read one of those uh, Europe comics. Occasionally I'll go to their website and you can buy stuff digitally uh, from them. And there was a part one uh, this past year in 2022 called Ladies with Guns. That was 62 pages of story written by Olivier Beauquet, with art by Ann Lore, Anlor, A-N-L-O-R, Kevin he looks a lot like good Kev Walker. Oh.
0: I love some Kev Walker. I
3: do love these artists that
1: just have one name by the way.
3: <laughs> and it, it's the in the like Wild West and I love I I've always loved like European versions of like romanticizing the American like westerns. You know what I mean like Europe's version of westerns is always has a you know whether it's Mobius and his blueberry stuff or whatever. There's it always is interesting, but that's what this is. It's a western story, but it's a group of five women, and it's kind of becomes like a buddy story, really. But it doesn't start out that way. There's this widowed English woman who was part of this, um, like prairie caravan that gets ambushed by indians and they end up killing the indians and fending it off but with great losses and then the people that are left just kind of are end up turning into kind of bandits and and leaving her stranded for dead and stealing all their stuff and taking off of what's left and she gets connected with this indian woman with a bow who is the uh, sibling of someone who died in that raid. So there's animosity, like you killed my brother kind of thing, but there's more to the story. But they come at odds with each other, like confront each other, and then notice just a little bit away from them is a caged, like teenage uh, black female slave, stuck in this cage they can't get around or anything so they end up kind of developing like this kind of sisterhood protect like all right well let's see if we can help this girl and then like but i'm gonna i'm watching you though you know what i mean like i am so you know don't when this is over that kind of stuff um but then they hook up with a couple of other people who help them out and uh, there's people who are chasing them and trying to get the slave and the something with her We don't know what it is, but they are trying to get her out of that cage, trying to get her into town. But how do you get her into town and hide her and everything else? There ends up being a standoff scene, big climactic scene in a cabin. There's dynamite involved. That's why I was writing the word dynamite earlier. It's it's, uh, action-packed, and the caricatures of the different cowboy guys like the bandits the bad guys uh the sheriff even that are supposed to be a good guy but he's not so good um are so kev walker crossing into like jack Davisy. some of them are lanky some of them are fat i love that stuff ladies with guns part one it's a europe comics so you can only get it digitally but I don't know how often these things come out. Like you're saying, once they're doing them in these big volumes, 62 pages, I don't know, do you get more than one a year? It probably yeah, takes know, a while. I
2: thought there was
0: some Europe comics in the news about some restructuring. Or what? Something. No! No! Yeah, but, well, you know how some of these publishers... <laughs>
3: <laughs> it was really comicsology all the time. Yeah, yeah, right? <laughs> oh, no. Oh, it was a long con. Well, this one's good. I just went on the website a second ago, and it's still there, so. Oh, okay. <laughs> you can get it. Five pounds.
1: All right, Kevin, you teased us with some talk. You were going to drop a bombshell,
0: anthology-related. Uh, well, I think, I think you also have this one.
1: Oh, it was... <laughs>
0: You know what I'm talking about. Oh, this is what everyone's been waiting for. Oh, poor Steve and Phil. <laughs>
1: All right, get it to the start. Fire it up.
0: All right, so uh, we have this. I must say this is a rather big tome, and I wouldn't say it's um, the most... Um, manageable thing i have but <laughs> since since i do have omnibus i mean it's not unmanageable it's just in that weird in-between realm where it's not super big but it's big enough and enough issues i mean the complete eight ball issues is one to 18 by daniel claus
1: fantographics kevin and i both took the leap and <laughs> bought the non-expensive it was some fancy edition, but Kevin and I—at least I—took the cheapo way out. Did you get yeah. the really ritzy one, Kevin?
0: No, that—that's that's been out of stock, I think. For, for and I thought this one might be out of stock because it—I mean, this is the non-fancy version, but it—it still has—it still feels a little fancy.
1: Yeah, I—I along with your comments, I thought Fantagraphics—they're an awesome publisher. They do a lot of work. But I did think this was on the edge of maybe them having to make a different decision on the print. I guess it sort of works, but I'm with you in that it barely... But I also have a lower omnibus tolerance than you do. I'm pretty fussy about big books. I don't like when they don't... I
2: love big books.
1: When they don't read. And you cannot lie. And I hate gutter loss and things like that. And so far this has held up, but I am a little... I feel it's right on the edge. I see why they didn't put them last few... Reprint issues or
0: whatever. <laughs> the the thing is though, it's like when you get the proper omnibus, you know, it'll like open up, and you can just leave it open. So I was definitely concerned about opening this up, and I'm like, oh no, what about the gutter loss? But yeah, it does. I don't. I don't think we're gonna have any crazy double page spreads in any big fight scenes. But I mean, I suppose anything is possible. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so uh, Kevin and I teased that we might do like an issue, a shot, because it's conveniently split up, even though the title itself was an anthology title, so there are ongoing stories, so not sure if this is the best way to go about it, but here we are, Uh, taking the plunge.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna say first off that you can tell why, I think already, why they... they took certain continuing stories out of here and put them as their separate books and reprints and everything because uh, the ones I was most interested in in were the ones that are, like, continuing stories.
1: Yeah, it opens with the Like a Velvet Cast, Like a Velvet Glove cast in iron, which is an on... At least goes more than one episode, and it's... uh, Yeah. Now, we can all recognize that Daniel has the ability to adequately convey the images and sequences and all his technical skills are, uh, I don't have any issue with. Kevin, you don't, I mean, it's not like you were confused with regard to, you may have been confused about some plot element, but I assume you don't have any issue with his choices from a conveying the story point of view.
0: No, it it's extremely clear line work, like very precise. Like uh yeah, it would it would definitely be like from it's not from a storytelling perspective. If you ever had problems with um with anything in here, it w- it would be like, "Oh, is that setting up a mystery or who is okay. that character supposed to be?"
1: Generally leans into the 9 to 12 panel Grids, pretty clear grids for the most part. Like, there's gutters in between. Like, not at least in this first issue, not really experimenting with that part of the thing. But this first opening story was so weird in the fact that I don't know that kids would understand it because there are two important plot elements. One is the guy goes to a dirty theater, and I don't but know if not those a dirty exist theater, anymore. like are there porno theaters like where you go and sit in an old-timey theater and watch like weird porno movies on this like i don't think i don't i think pretty much ottawa are... has them
0: <laughs> yeah i'm gonna say i'm sure th-
1: <laughs> but... i'm not talking about them places phil where they got the little video booths i'm talking the old
2: school no like... no we got old school in ottawa i'm telling you
1: <laughs> Man, maybe i'm due for a visit but i was like i don't know that anyone we we'll get that, and the second thing is, so he goes into this, and there's some weird film. The one, the title is a weird film, and he's curious about it because it's not just a straightforward porno. And then the other thing I thought was weird to the kids today is that, in the old days when you didn't know about something, there wasn't an easy way to find out about it. Like so, he has yeah, to on a weird. quest. Like he doesn't just Google the name of the. So it's funny that he has to. This thing intrigues him. There's some weird images of like you know leather face domination and weird different little clips you get because obviously we only see the little bits that he chooses to show maybe a two pages worth of images
0: I just imagine he was he went to the theater and he was watching that great Christmas movie Eyes Wide Shut or something
1: well they used to have like I said I thought they were gone but they used to show like porno movies in a a theater run down theater and then so he's fascinated by this thing, and then goes and has to ask, uh, try and find information about it. And I'm like, man, kids don't know. In the old days, you couldn't just go like if you wanted found out some weird band or music or film or there's no like, oh, I'll just look this up. No, it's like it's not in the encyclopedia, you know. There's no. So he has to go, and this this thing is haunting him, and the. Minute you get to the like so it's just a weird setup, but then it instantly goes surreal when he visits a friend, who had an infection. He needs to borrow his car, and so they removed his eyeballs and place a crustacean to suck out the bad parts from his eye sockets.
3: Ooh, the bad humors!
0: (laughs) Is this gonna be a home on Holland
1: Drive
3: thing or something?
1: Yeah, so they're see that that now we're introducing the definitely more surreal not just plot elements and then there's a woman with three eyes who he keeps mistaking for what appears to be the woman from the movie and the cops bust him because when he was taking the car like a homeless person like spit on him and it had alcohol it was just a i can see how someone might want to read this in more installments it left me like I said, aside from musing on what a kid would think, because you can't just look shit up back then, I don't know what to get out of this first story, Kevin.
0: That's funny, because right after you, you said you can't look at things on the internet, right in the next panel, he's also on a, a telephone. Yeah, <laughs> Like, has yes, to go to a payphone. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, another one of those things. You know, I... I it started a little weird and i was just like i don't know if i'm going to enjoy this and then after i read the other stories i came back to this one and i'm like no this one was actually good <laughs> and then i don't know it's it, it's that it's that weird thing of like you have no scale like if you yeah. if you know nothing the first thing how are you going to judge it against anything in a vacuum
1: that's a fair point the next one devil doll i didn't it's one of those this might have been groundbreaking at the time, but it's basically making fun of chick tracks. A character falls in with a bad crowd and then gets converted. In fact, the character finds a fake chick track in the story itself. And that's what converts them. And I don't, I just felt like that whole making fun of chick tracks and the weird thing is it's fine, but it's 2023 or whatever. So, I don't this one probably read a lot better in nineteen ninety one. Even by the nineties I feel like it was a little played out, but eh. It's not bad. It's just Yeah, we get well, it. I think reading the chick tracks themselves are actually crazier than the pair like this thing is actually more sensical than some of the chick tracks I've read. They are fucking out there. What the fuck's
2: a chick tracking?
1: Uh they are small little comics that are maybe two inches high and four inches across
2: like the he-man comics or the dc figure comics yeah
1: Yeah. i love those they're religious tracks and they used to be left everywhere and i mean they're still around but you don't see they used to just be left on street corners and in bars and stuff and they're porn theaters arch over the top morality stories like Mm -hmm. sally falls in with satan and she's gonna burn in hell forever Unless she repents. And then at the end, like all the sinners around her end up burning in hell type of thing. They're very over-the-top morality things with biblical quotes. They have them online, or they used to. If they will, I'll put a little link to it. Because they are just fucking whack. Sites to weird parts of the Bible about, you know, the sort of over-the-top Old Testament Bible. Phil, I don't know if you've read any of that stuff, but it's pretty wacky. So these yep. tracks are very silly. And so they've been parodied. Like, I have a funny one where it's a Cthulhu thing. <laughs> you know, instead of the <laughs> regular Bible God, it's Cthulhu that you're supposed <laughs> to have a thing. So they're funny themselves. I just oh, L.A. That they're parodying the Chick track, but the character in it finds the Chick track. And like I said, I don't have a beef with it, but I just feel like it's been trod ground. Kevin?
0: Yeah, I'm gonna have a weird example for the for this one, and maybe also the like the next one. Yeah, just just not funny. It's 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 sort of like, well, two crazy examples, I guess. First is like you see those political cartoons, and they're like, ah, oh, this is gonna be so good. I'm gonna be making fun of something, and you're like, I let like to absurd, but not that type of absurd. It's like gas prices are so high, and then the gas. Pump hits him in the head. Like yeah. I don't, I don't find that particularly funny. But if there was like I don't know some character like giving people's wishes and then it's like an O. Henry ending, but not that type of wish. Literally like that type of thing, I would find funny. It's, it's sort of like, like you're trying to hit it, and the humor is like very specific. But these some of these middle stories here remind me of. A worse version of some Atlas Era Monster Twilight Zone stories.
1: The next one, definitely. The next one is a yeah. A guy ends up sleeping with a woman he doesn't know she's married, and it turns out her husband is a practical joke vendor, and so he's cursed with telling practical jokes and selling practical joke novelties. And uh, yeah, that's it. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. uh, two, four, six, seven pages eight or so of that. And so, I mean, I guess the point is, like, who would sell, like, whoopee cushions and joy buzzers door to door. But uh, it seems like a weird, even by the 90s, I don't think people were selling those. I don't. I don't there's
2: Well, we had joke shops. There. Right. Yeah, there, there were. Yeah.
1: There.
0: Yeah, I remember there was, like, a Godzilla or a dinosaur type of thing that I got, and it was, like, a like a farting Godzilla, and I'd be like, oh, that's funny. Or, like, no. one of those, like, little devices where you would press the different buttons and it would be different swears, and then you would just start giggling to yourself. Oh, yeah, that guy's going to think the swearing, but, you know. Yeah,
1: did, after about 12 or so, did those sunset yeah. on the in the black, he's got some of the trick soap and this and the... Oh, uh, you know, exploding cigarette, like just the. Yeah. I remember those ads in the back of comic. I don't. I don't know. I'm not a practical joke guy, so it was a bit lost on me. I and mean, like, it's not there.
3: There used thing. to be an aisle in Spencers in the mall that had uh, practical jokes and like whoopee cushions and stuff. And back when in the early '80s, when we were like 10, 11, 12, that kind of thing, and roamed the mall, we would stop there, and one of our Activities was to get a whoopee cushion And not placing it under Somebody else to sit down But what we would do is find a victim uh, Or a potential victim Who is sitting on a bench And we would The the challenge was to sit down on, on the whoopee cushion yourself Like slip it under yourself When you sat down and let it rip And get the reaction of the Person on the bench and laugh You know there's cause...
0: a very long running TV series Just for laughs where that's probably the the practical joke I've laughed at the most for something like that. <laughs> oh, and it's literally, it you do something crazy and then it's like, oh, we're going to see people's reaction to this. Hey, we, we also, when we were. Those jackass movies too about yeah. crazy <laughs> shit. So.
3: And when we were on car rides, this same friend and I, we used to have a contest of seeing if we could get people to give us the finger, but we weren't allowed to give the finger to prompt it. Right, huh. you yeah, had to see if you could get someone to give you the finger, but you can't give it.
1: Now that smartphones just... are around, kids are really missing out. On... Yeah, no, now they're like
3: <laughs> yeah. doing high quality video editing and stuff.
0: <laughs> but yeah, some of these these stories in the middle, I mean, I'm like the first one, I didn't have the the what's the point? But in the like when you start getting to these middle ones, I'm kind of like like what's the point? Yeah. <laughs> and then the last, which is,
1: oh, go on, Kevin. Sorry. Which,
0: yeah, which is good that they have like a last story, which is also something I like more enjoyed. Yeah, about ends, like the comic book industry.
1: It ends with the young Dan Pussy, which is his. Uh, wow, you guys are never going to believe the indie guy makes fun of the superhero business. I know, superhero right? Superhero <laughs> fans and the guys that draw superhero comics—you'd never guess it. Totally, fre- what I like is it starts out. He's just jealous. It, with a self-portrait, I'm guessing, or a stand-in, who's drawn very normally, like a regular... And yeah. And then all the comic book artists and fans are drawn like complete loser freaks, and I'm like... Yes. Wow, what, what... Who would have thought the indie guy hating on the superhero fans and... Su- so, The uh, Dan Pussy is a penciler who falls in with the Infinity Comics group, and they have an older guy who's has them all live in a house and pump out these things. I, It was like, I'm fine with them, you know, making fun of superhero fans and how silly they are, and I don't really know why you'd take a lot of shots at the people that draw this stuff, but I guess he's like, eh, the people that make it and the people that consume it are buffoons.
0: Well, I think it's one of those young up-and-coming indie cartoonist things where you're all full of piss and vinegar and you're just telling everyone off and everything
1: yeah i just thought that it didn't when i had first yeah, heard piss. of this on <laughs> on uh cartoonist kayfabe they tried to paint this like this is some kind of stanley analog but it really falls yeah. apart because i don't understand Like, I've read Funky Flashman and House Roy that Kirby put out. That's a takedown of Stan with Roy (laughs) Thomas. There's no fucking around. Like, Kirby was like, fuck you. Like, this, I'm like, but Stan, by the time this came, like, what era is this making fun of? In the 90s, Stan was not roping in new pencilers for Marvel. Yeah. Not even in the eighty. Like, I don't think he read a comic book after 82 or whatever. So, I don't get who he's supposed to be, but he is like a huckstery guy who gets them to work on these six new titles and they don't get paid till they turn it Good in. titles. And they're also kind of shitty to each other. Like I said, it's just... Yeah. The indie guy, boy, those superhero guys and fans are shitty. And the other part I like is they go to a convention and it just filled with like the freakiest looking fans. And then next to it, they have like the high brow comics, which is like a regular looking woman there. And like a regular rocking artist and everything. And <laughs> <laughs> the superhero guys, they're all fucking leches and losers. And, <laughs> and look, I can't knock so, it. You know, this
0: is, it was, wait, wait a minute. I, is this a Howard Chankin book you're talking <laughs> about? <or? laughs> yeah. so. But, You know, this reminded me, rather than Stan Lee, and I know it can't be this, because this comes out before, but this reminded me way more of, like, a cross-gen thing, if you knew cross-gen, where it's like he knows of the bullpen and all the stuff, or he thinks he does, and he tries to recreate, like, what he think happened in the 60s. Oh, maybe that. Oh, we're all going to live together, we're going to eat together, we're going to do this, we're going to do... And I'm just like, that's... It's weird that that's the first thing I thought about. And he says, well, we're not doing superheroes. We're doing super champions. And it totally brought me back to that. Oh, well, they have magical powers. There's action adventure. There's fights. But we're not doing superheroes. Like it totally brought me back to the early 2000s.
1: Whoa. Oh, no. But that wouldn't,
0: this was way before cross-gen. Yeah, that's what I mean. That's why it's weird that this can't be about cross-gen. But to me, this mapped more closely to cross gen than to, like, a Stan Lee thing.
1: Well, I also didn't know if it was a knock on, like, Wizard Magazine, because at one point... Oh, yeah. The publisher guy bribes yeah. the the guy that's running some fan magazine to, like, give good reviews. But I also don't know what Wizard <laughs> Magazine was like in 1989. Like, was it... I know it came to prominence in the 90s more, but I didn't know if it was, like, a big deal in... I don't know, but that's the part I thought read the clearest was the, you know, underhanded passing of money to give good <laughs> reviews for my books. And I'm like, okay, but the whole, like I said, I'm fine with it. I just felt those guys kind of over, like, I don't get the, and I'm not in the scene. Maybe that would help too, if I was a, like a superhero artist and be like, or an indie artist and making fun of superhero guys or what. I don't know. I just thought it was funny that the indie guys all look normal and and seem like regular guys and then you know. What a long way they've come from Crum, who made his money by pointing out how fucked up he was. You know what I, mean?
0: <laughs> I mean? as a superhero guy I mean I didn't find this offensive or anything.
1: So you were the tall bald guy with the long ponytail
0: Kevin? Is that you? Ah, uh, <laughs> sure. Let's go with that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: And then
2: so basically you guys hate this comic. No, I
0: think Andrew comic. hates it. I don't hate
1: it. I just... <laughs> My issue is, it would be more fun if I really hated it,
0: because then I'd really get...
2: you got to gotta cover 18 issues, Andrew. We may not
0: make it,
1: Phil. Let's be honest. <laughs> no, we, you're
2: committed. We
0: might just read the bits and just read them as an entire story.
1: This remember, is the year of the eight balls. Remember the spawn train, Phil? You lasted longer than I ever thought you would. <laughs>
0: All right. well, yeah, this last bit I don't I don't some of these these things like the last bit I'm like I don't I don't I don't understand this.
1: Look, Kevin and I have made a lot of embarrassing adm- <laughs> admissions on this show, starting with the last episode, and <laughs> I don't see us stopping anytime soon. So. <laughs> so at least you can feel better about yourself, listener, when you just look at what goofy goofballs we are. But yeah, that's uh, we'll see if this segment continues. But anyways. Uh we've stolen all this time from Steve and Phil what, do you guys have anything you want to save this episode with No.
0: Nope. <laughs> I have two Note things your hand. That, Andrew. I like the color covers and the color is retained since the most of it's in black and white and is it really an indie comics with an X if there's no urinating on the first or second page
1: well, it did have the weird guy in the diaper, so does that count? <laughs> and they do mention you know. a urinal. Yeah, so there's some pee-pee but... and poo-poo, as you like to, <laughs> as your comic company says.
3: All right, want a quick hit of something really good? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Visually and fun and fast and, again, small number of characters. That's the formula. Uh It was from 2021, five-issue limited series from AWA Upshot, written and drawn by Frank Cho. It's Fight Girls. Oh, cool. Oh, yeah. I I just finally read it. We covered that in-depth. It was good. Ten women competing on this, like, televised game show. Yeah, I love those type of stories. Challenges. The winner becomes queen of the galaxy or emperor or empress or whatever, and they allow, like, dirty tricks and stuff, so the... The contestants are really trying to one-up each other and there's no way to really police it because if you kill your, uh, you know, another contestant, there's no way to really undo that to make it fair. So um it's pretty cool. And by the end of the first issue, the cast of 10 is almost halved already. So then it gets down to being more of a character study.
1: Yeah, I really you can pr- Pretty much follow it. Yeah, that they bumped off. And I also thought he had some smart designs because, you know, they're all it would be easy to get them all kind of looking the same with having 10 because they can't yeah. put them in weird outfit. They're competing in the contest. So
3: yeah. yeah, And, and the uh, coloring uh, by Sabine rich is great. I mean, it's just a beautifully illustrated book uh, and one contestant isn't who she says she is. So there's a, there's like this uh, side subplot of an investigation that's going on into her past as the contestant, Competition is going on, a race to kind of get to the truth, and it's uh, very fun, well-paced. There you go.
1: All right. All right, everybody, thanks for tuning in to Indie Comic Book Noise. We hope to have some more exciting episodes. Kevin has promised monthly A-team episodes, so we look forward to those coming out. (laughs) If we get good response on these eight-ball segments, maybe Kevin and I will... Let Phil and Steve go and just do some of those
0: on our own. Yeah, we'll we then. need one person to say we want no. monthly, monthly. Bruno.
2: I enjoy hearing you guys not like stuff. <laughs> yeah.
3: look, I love it when my friends don't like things. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, I was going to bring up the whole, I did, because I saw it in the store, the new Gru series from Dark Horse. Uh, or is it new? Book. Yeah. I'm
3: waiting until it ends, though. It is. It's only four true. issues. Yeah. It's only four issues, so I'm waiting for it to finish. Then I'm going to read it. Mm-hmm. They are. They are, and they haven't.
1: Another one, I guess, is in the chamber, as what he said in the show notes in the back. New colorist too. Tom Luth has. Uh, is not coloring this one. Uh, oh, has it been
2: the you know, same one, the whole time? Yeah, it's been Evanier, uh,
1: Aragones, uh, Stan on lettering, Sakai, and Tom Luth for. I don't know the 40 years or whatever they've, I mean maybe they yep. had somebody once in a great while but it's pretty much the four of them and now oh, it's yeah. uh, Carrie Strahan or Strachan sorry I don't know how the CH could go either way but yeah she does a great job Thumb, big thumbs up uh, and it's still like still the same Gru if you like Gru like, I Gru. enjoy Gru I Love do buy Gru. it but when you read the letters, you're like, there are some people that are really, really into Gru in a way that uh, I give, don't think I, I can't give me with. Gru on a boat, and I'm a
3: happy comic book reader.
1: Oh, you're gonna be happy with it. There's some naval action, Steve. But I won't spoil it. Then tune in next time, folks. Kevin, you know what we say for 2023?
0: Uh, Noise out and justice for Rabbit. Nice.
1: <laughs> You said stop making noise, Kevin.
3: You are not. Ugh. Later.